0: <laughs>
1: circus music? I still nah, nah. like
0: I can't figure out old playing <laughs> um, Happy 2020. We had an episode last week, but this is the first one that we recorded in 2020. That is true. So this is the first like episode recorded in the decade, which feels pretty significant and exciting. Yeah. I think so. yeah. so um we have a wonderful guest on today, Emily Ann. Mm-hmm. She talks all about uh, BDSM culture, um, a lot about kinks, uh, and uh, a consent comes up in a big way. So uh, before we talk more, I just want to give a trigger warning. We do talk about specific kinks and pleasures that have to do with consensual non-consent, uh, which is uh, incorporating rape fantasies. Um, and then we do talk about... Um, an experience she tells about crossing a boundary as a dom, um, and a consent issue there and sort of dealing with that, um, and recounting it and, and owning it. And so, um, those are at the end of the episode. So the rest is amazing and all of it is amazing, but just so (laughs) people know what's going on. Uh, I am super excited this year to have really in-depth, um, constant conversations about consent. That is where I think, um, at the end of last year, I had an experience that really like my consent was violated from myself and, uh, with the people that I was with and boundaries were crossed and it really opened up this conversation to me of like, what is consent? What does it look like? What is the nuance and subtleties around it? And how can we get super clear so that, when we're playing and when we're having these interactions we can feel good and we can enthusiastically you know want to do what we're doing
1: yeah i think that's the big thing and uh, i've been kind of on this conversational journey with you as you go through it and figure out what it's going to look like and it's nuance i think is the key word because it's just there's I think once you start the conversation, it's like, oh, but then there's this and then there's this yeah. and there's so much to it. So,
0: And there's so much at play, yes. you know, like so many different factors that we're just starting, I feel like, to have this full-blown conversation, right. which really puts just everything on its head of like how we've been doing everything and it, it forces us to change and it forces us to look at our behavior and that's part of what what emily talks about too is like um this experience like forcing her to look at mm-hmm. her behavior yeah. um she's delightful and super fun and hysterical and has so many wild stories you're going to go out of your mind so please enjoy i'm feeling yummy head to toe you see me Yay! welcome I to finding my Yum. um i'm so excited today we have emily ann here she is a bdsm mentor actor writer lawyer extraordinaire which is very exciting thank you for being here
2: thank you so much for having me yeah. i'm so excited i love your podcast
0: oh uh, thank you so much um yeah, I we met through the, this uh, Facebook group that I've mm-hmm. talked about quite a bit, um, which is the Sex Positive Universe for Women with an X, so anyone mm-hmm. female identifying. Um, and I've connected with so many amazing people from that podcast.
2: It's life changing. It, it is. Yeah. It really is. It opened my yeah.
0: Yeah, because it's just like a community where anything flourishes, and yes. everybody's just like clapping for whatever you want to
2: post about. So supportive. And I that, love it.
0: Yeah um well i would let's just dive in because there's so much to talk about we got a lot
2: to talk about um
0: but i do (laughs) just want to give a context of like where are you from Mm -hmm. um and like a little bit of your upbringing because i think it's always interesting to talk about like what were people's first conceptions of like what sex was Mm -hmm. and what sexuality and like their place in it and like Mm -hmm. love and relationships
2: Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I legit live, I grew up on a farm. <laughs> really? So yes, I'm this dwindling population of farm girls because this is, <laughs> you know, it's all corporatized. Wait, have and you maybe... ever been on Farmers Only? I tried to get on there once, but like, where are the Southern California farmers? I don't know. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Like,
0: it's my favorite commercials that have ever been created. Sidebar. Really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a commercial. Oh, they're like, uh, just I love to like make
1: one. like talking animals, City folks just shit. don't get it. Yeah, Wait, and me, it's I, like,
0: like a
2: cow being
0: like, you can
2: find someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh, yeah, the, the, the pickings are slim and, and the cows can, can have them. No, I'm just joking. It's awful. No. I mean, I thought I was going to marry a farmer cause my dad was a farmer and like, I love little house on the prairie. I was like totally like, where
0: was the farm or it, where is
2: the farm? It's, um, well it's in Eastern Washington state, like on the dry side, okay. closer to Spokane. So, okay. Yeah. So we had, yeah, we were in the middle of nowhere and we had cattle and wheat and, yeah. So I'm gluten free and no, I'm, <laughs> I am gluten free. I still eat beef, but whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I grew up on a farm, so my, like I didn't have in a very Christian community, okay. very, um, yeah. Protestant Christian community. um, Hard work ethic and and everything. Um, so my I didn't I don't remember sex education at all. I think we had something in like junior high. I don't I don't even know what they taught us really except for abstinence.
0: Growing up like th- in like that rural kind of community were the gender roles very clear. Then in that sort of old fashioned sort of way
2: they were. But you know it's interesting as I look back now. It it um it had a twist because in the west in the Western United States, women were given more autonomy because Mm -hmm. they had to basically pull up their bootstraps, their corsets and work alongside (laughs) the men. So that's why like places like Wyoming gave women the right to vote early because they needed women out here, you know? So yes, there were definite gender roles. Um, I definitely felt like, um, you know, I was put in a particular type of box and women were supposed to act a certain way, but at the same time, it was also encouraged to like really make something of yourself in a very masculine way. Mm. And I can get into like that, um, as I, it's really much ties into my BDSM story Mm. is how much I lived in my masculine for so long as a lawyer. And like my view of power was the male, (laughs) you know, man, men had the power, like all the farms still to this day are passed to the men in the family, to the boys. Very rare. Does it go to the the women? Do
0: you have siblings?
2: Um, I have a sister. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She oh, so you three. guys broke the. There's no man. There's no man. So I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to be the man. I like. I played little league for my dad. I was like. I was gonna keep my last name because like whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we don't. I'm have still to... of that. Are you in that? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. Like staunch.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was a feminist before feminism was feminism was cool. I just want to make that known. <laughs> Um, and it was very valid. I think feminism has always been cool. (laughs) No, in the nineties, there's a thing, there's a documentary that came out about Barbie and I was watching it and they're like, oh, and they were talking about the evolution of feminism and they're like in the early nineties. Okay. So I'm older than you guys. (laughs) Beautifully. We'll we'll talk. Thank you. We'll talk about that. (laughs) But, um yeah I uh in the early 90s it was very much looked down upon I was called a feminazi and I wasn't even that staunch but like when I graduated from high school I was voted most likely to succeed and most chauvinistic because they didn't have a name for yeah so like reverse chauvinism yeah it just came out of me because I I think I just saw myself more as like a like I don't understand why we can't do this like I'd go to the math teacher who was also the football coach and be like why can't a woman like try out for football and he's like I would let her play you know practice but not play and I'm like but I play basketball with the 5'10", the 200-pound woman who could kick anybody's... We <laughs> right. won't let her... Anyway, so we don't have to get into yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Sort. But yeah, definitely there were roles. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Okay, so then... So you <laughs> lived a lot in, like, the masculine sort of part. Mm-hmm. So then did you have relationships in high school and, and younger
2: and, like... I mean, I, yeah, I had pseudo, like you'd said, you said you were boyfriend and girlfriend. Hey, so I, I, remember, but no, um, I didn't really have a boyfriend, true boyfriend till my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, but yeah.
0: Were mm. you sexually active?
2: No. Mm. Um, it's too bad. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like when my ass was tight and high. <laughs> I, 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 Nobody saw <laughs> I didn't get to do it. Like, okay, so I'll tell you, I had, so I thought I was going to wait till I was going to get married. Okay. Okay. When, how, are you still religious? No, no, I'd say I'm spiritual. Okay. Um, how long, like, were you, did you identify as Christian Mm -hmm. throughout high school and beyond? Okay. Throughout high school through college and, um, you know, I had that boyfriend in high school is like, you know, figured everyone, my parents Went to college, met the man they were gonna marry, married right out of college. And all my friends did that too. Right. And I just thought that was gonna happen for me and I didn't it didn't happen for me. But I had sex once at on a dare at nineteen and a fraternity house. That was On a Dare? On a dare, yeah. (laughs) So this is all, so like... it was
0: yummy. Eagle to, oh,
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> Too drunk. <Super> f- <laughs> he fr- no, it was with my ex-boyfriend from high school, who we had, like, this is, like, competitive... Like, again, like, I was in my mask, and I was like, let's compete or whatever. And he just dared me, and I wasn't going to, like... Oh, back down. Right. Sure. I won that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Lottery. Woohoo. Yeah, no. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was not ideal, but I kind of laugh at it now. So I had that once. And then I figured, okay, I just screwed up this whole waiting till marriage thing. You know, I'll just like re regroup and like not do it. So I didn't have it again till like 25. Okay. Like I didn't have sex again till 25. And then my dad passed and I got a boyfriend at 27 and then I had some sex and then we just stopped having sex. And I thought, that's just what happens in couples that's just what you know sure. you do and we were together 14 years and towards the end whoa, towards the end we had sex probably once a year and I thought there was something wrong with me I thought you know why I mean I must be frigid or like whatever uh, and then four years ago or I guess five oh, five years ago I, I we broke up and I knew I needed something something was out there I needed I needed something different in a partnership and that started my big journey because I was like once I I went to a body work specialist to oh, like Learn how to like. Okay, I'm gonna flirt. I'm gonna have sex. Like, I'm gonna have sex with people now. <laughs> you know, like, something the P is going in the V. Yeah. And I gotta be prepared. Like, okay, I'm gonna like uh, you know, and like he hummed me near my vagina and like it was great. Um, and I just started opening myself up to sex, and um, then Tinder was really helpful for that. And then Yeah. The tin- I can keep going, but yeah. I mean, I had to. Can tin- you go back
1: to the humming? <laughs> yeah, you wanted to have Yeah, the I just, I'm just like, what was the point of that?
2: I don't know, and it was awkward at first, but I think um, I think having a male presence there was like I don't know, honestly, it's embarrassing. Can you imagine if I started humming in your box? Like (laughs) you'd be like, I mean, you might like it, well, but it's okay. That could be our that could be just our fetish. Works for me. Oh, okay. hum kink (laughs) um yeah I don't know like any it was like a spiritual
0: healer and I like I am the shock there's chakras like Mm -hmm. you have your chakra in your genitals and so I imagine it was in order to like unlock it yeah do you feel so (laughs) were you a lawyer up until the end of
2: the relationship then did Mm -hmm. you make a career change as well well you know I sort of did um I kept doing some law work after I became an actor. So I moved to L.A. Um, I went to graduate school here and, um, you know, trained as an actor at the same time, and I started acting. And so I – there was a time period where I was a lawyer for most of it, and then I transitioned into acting and writing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think – but most of our relationship, I was still in the legal side of things, majority.
0: Yeah, I'm just curious, I guess, was – the start of the shift like did you feel like you got more grounded in the feminine side of you then and then it started to meld a little bit Uh, because i imagine the openings that you're talking about is almost incorporating this like dormant piece that's very valid and necessary for like a
2: whole experience right i mean i think what was happening is i was going ping-ponging back and forth Mm. i was like okay and then i anytime i needed to felt like i needed to control i'd come back in the masculine. So, um, you know, I, I think it was only once I left that relationship and stepped into the feminine, it felt really good, but I judged it. Mm. I think I internally judged it. Um, and so my goal now is really from experience, um, to make the world a safer place for people to step into their feminine whether it's male or female. Sure. Um, And I think that's, I mean, as an environmental attorney, that's part of what I see why the environment is being destroyed is being too much in that masculine side. So protecting and allowing a feminine energy to flourish has, it changed my life, so, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So you're writing a book right mm-hmm. yeah called my year of my year of fucking dangerously
0: amazing <laughs> um and so does that begin like right after this relationship yes. um okay so then what so we're going to talk about BDSM cuz you have a yes. course coming up called BDSM 101, 101. yeah yeah um so we're going to talk about that but like what what like how did you even get into that aspect of it what was like what was the the journey into that
2: well <clears throat> It was one Tinder date. <laughs> <laughs> is that amazing Am I, though? No, no I, I talk <laughs> about the legacy of play partners. I mean, people, you know, my current partner is getting the benefit of all my previous partners. Cause right. I learned so much about myself and things. So yeah, it was the turning point that got me like a foot in the door in this world was a date I had with a Tinder, someone I met off Tinder, mm-hmm. a male. And, um, there was something happening inside of me—the way he was texting me and treating me, th- the whole date, and even through the sex—and I didn't know what it was. I was like, "What is this? What is this feeling?" And it was so fast um, that I didn't quite understand it. And now, looking back, I realized that's the first time I realized I was kinky. So, to make a long story short, on the date, you know, he we went home for the first time and he kind of he dommed me first you know he was dominant with me first and i enjoyed that and then um <laughs> i mean we can talk about anything on this podcast absolutely right. yeah um, there's going to be some things i'm going to discuss that aren't politically correct <laughs> and can be triggering for some people but um if i can just encompass this in play it's all um it is not real it's all in context of play but you know, at one point I'm, I'm on top of him writing him and he looks up at me and he starts calling me mommy. Mm. Now my head is like, this is sick and wrong, but my body is like, hell yeah, we're going to do this. It was feeling so good and I felt really bonded and I was starting to feel like a bondedness uh, in submitting um, similarly. So um, that's how I got started. And he told me about a site called FetLife, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're on with FetLife.com and I ended up getting on there and finding some really great play partners. And that's when I just started. And I was still dating people off of Tinder and, and stuff. Um, but that's when I really got into it. Amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, cool. So let's jump into, uh, so just like the basics of BDSM. So you are a mm. switch.
2: I'm a switch. You're yes. a switch. Mm-hmm.
0: So I want to talk about what that is first yeah. too, because we haven't had a switch on. Oh, um, nice. you're our first
2: switch. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like being people's first. So. Is that a fetish? <laughs> um, it is yeah. like, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go on FET and you can select, you know, you can click on a list of fetishes that's there. Oh, people, it is. Yeah. People have done that. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> Okay, yes. So uh, a switch
2: means? Essentially, a switch means that you um, can uh, be dominant in the bedroom or submissive in the bedroom.
0: Right. And does
2: the play, can the play switch midway? It can. I find it to be somewhat uh, confusing Mm -hmm. when that happens. So, um, but it does. It can switch back and forth. In fact, the very first time I had a session with my longest running playmate at the time, we're our first and I've written about this <clears throat> excuse me we switch back and forth and back and forth but mm-hmm. it tends to get a little confusing because all of a sudden you're like wait am I baby girl or am I mommy which one am I right <laughs> now?" okay wait, wait okay yeah there's a little there's a switch that happens in your mind when you do that so sure. but so usually I try to whatever session is coming up it's usually there's a beginning middle and end to it and usually the talk is all one side so I'll stay on the dominant side through that session. And uh, I think you mentioned like it's more from
0: a maternal, the dominant is from a maternal side often. For me. Mm-hmm. Not,
2: not not in general, but for yeah. you personally. I think mommy doming is a little bit rare. At least that's what I've been told from oh. uh, other uh, doms. Um, yeah, the first dominant I played with actually was a female who domed, um, both myself and my other switch friend, who's a male, and um, I mean, here was he was six four, two hundred pounds, and she was this tiny thing, and he was scared shitless. And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my God, what am I walking into?" He's scared. Of and she showed up, and she's just like this nice person. And then, you know, the way she domed was very much um, a little more straightforward and sadistic. And um, I I tend to be somewhat sadistic depending on the dynamic. So every subdom dynamic is different but um I just tend to bond more through authority and it's a little incestuous and it's really kinky so (laughs) it's
0: like (laughs) is it like DDLG which is daddy dom little girl um but flipped then so are they little boy or little girl depending on what or whatever right um
2: I mean I I dom women too and I usually call them baby girl um but with the men uh, male embodied people it, you know it's called age play okay and i don't i haven't really seen um they're more like teenage boys <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if that makes it any better. <laughs> you know, like, mommy's, you know, is kissing, you know, tucking him in night, and, like, don't tell daddy. And, like, okay, well, anyway. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, um, pegging them and and tying them up and, and you know, having them do things and, and having control of them is very much a release for them. Um, but, yeah, it is. it can be the flip side of that. Yeah. It's similar to that. But not every, you know... The DDLG isn't necessarily an incestuous. I mean, for example, I love calling a dominant daddy, but I don't, there's no incestual feeling at all in it. I never called my own dad, daddy, just dad. So I I never really identified until this relationship. I just told him the other day, I'm like, you know, the DDLG stuff with you is is skin into some really kinky area for me, which is not my norm with a dominant, but it's just authority. Mm. It's just Yeah, And then in terms of being a
0: sub for you, is there a particular experience that you enjoy like dynamic with
2: that? Um, I mean like a particular type. I mean, I mean lately, apparently according to my boyfriend, um, (laughs) I'm getting at the DDLG. I don't think I go that deep into age play. I don't go that, you know, young, but, um, I definitely like baby girl, daddy. Um, I am a masochist, so what, I... T- let's just define, what does that Okay, mean? well, it's someone who takes pleasure in uh, in um, feeling pain. It can be mm-hmm. emotional, physical pain. Um, I'm more of the emotional side. I like humiliation and degradation, so usually r- words. Mm-hmm. I like to be called na- certain names, and yeah, <laughs> it's a release for me.
0: Um, so... OK, so just to, for like when you're doing like a BDSM 101, what are some of the like core pillars before you embark on any kind of session or play that you implement or that you you help other couples or individuals implement so that it's a safe playing space for everyone involved?
2: Yeah, um, sure. So if we're going to so BDSM stands for bondage, domination, submission, sorry, sadism, masochism. And then the S also can double with submission in mm-hmm. there. Um, but um, let's say it's a dom sub session. Okay. Um, because sometimes you can have top bottom play that doesn't include a dynamic of dominant and submissive. So... What does that mean? Okay. What? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, so I so trying confused. to answer your question. No, okay, I just...
0: Like, what, okay.
2: what's the dynamic if there's not a dominant and a sub? Well, okay. So a top can... Um, inflict some like i don't know if you've ever been to um a bdsm club Mm -hmm. or seen some impact play yes yeah so sometimes so the top is the person literally acting onto the bottom Uh so the bottom is more like the inanimate object in a way and the top is you know um putting this spanking them or you know uh flogging them or doing something um the dom sub dynamic um can have impact play or not but it involves um control of the other person as well not just like acting upon sure so that i'm trying to shorthand this so in a dom subsession um it could be so the dominant has the control of what's going to happen and they i like to uh, uh, liken it to a dance mm-hmm. they're the leader okay so a dominant is a leader got it and they're running the show um, the submissive I like to talk about control versus power mm. the submissive has all the power because the submissive gives the dominant the control mm-hmm. right so we equate control as being power but no every every power thing that the dominant has uh, every piece of control comes from the submissive because she's she or he is giving permission or they right Okay. So to answer your question, um, so going into any BDSM scenario, um, you've, you might've heard safe, sane, and consensual. Mm -hmm. So safe means, um, there's a lot of negotiation up up front. Um, you want to be fully informed and get that consent, um, for anything that could happen in that session. You want to set hard boundaries and soft boundaries. Um, and you know, They talk about safe, sane, and consensual, but it's all grouped up into one idea, which is everything that's going to happen is going to happen because both of these people or more want it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we get caught up in the idea of consent being, um, you know, the end-all be-all. But consent is the bare bones. (laughs) We want people to enthusiastically say fuck yes yes we want it to be a hell yes and sometimes things and we can get into some of these kinks but um, you know you might not have you don't know if you like something until you try it right you could have a a lot of people have fantasies in their mind and they think but once they act it out it, it doesn't really get it that get them going or they don't like it so, like, we have on our website, we have a, um, a kink list that you can go through and say if it's a yes, a no, or curious about. And if there's areas where you're curious about, we haven't tried it, you might be willing to try it uh, and see if you like it. Right. You know, but you have the, the dom or the top needs to know that you... Um, that that's an area, a gray area. So they have to be really careful. What are soft boundaries and hard boundaries? Okay. So it's similar to what I just said about curious about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, let me give you an example. So a hard boundary is meaning don't even, don't even go there. Don't approach it. So let me think of a hard boundary. When I first started, um, I did not want anyone to strike my face whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like little bit of pats, little, no, nah, just, you got to stay away from my That's hard. That's an absolute no. Don't got even it. try it. So as you start to play with, um, a playmate, um, they can, sometimes they want to push your boundaries. It helps you sort of grow and like, um, expand your sexual horizons, but a hard limit means you're not going to push that boundary. Got so it. a soft limit might be, so I'll give you an example of a, I'll call it a soft limit and a curious about. Mm. I was not really interested in waterworks, um, which is golden showers, which is... urinating, okay. being urinated on or urinating. Some, but my dominant at the time really wanted to do it. And I thought about it and I checked in and I thought, you know, I'm not anti, I'm not like averse to it. It just doesn't draw me, but he really wants to do it. So I'm willing to try it. Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna try it once and we had a session and he hauled me into (laughs) the tub (laughs) and I was nude and we had already you know had part of the session I was already sweating and so I was kind of cool and he stood over me and he was like 200 pounds 6'4 like Adonis and he's like (laughs) and I'm just like kneeling there and he just started peeing on me and it was this act of domination and it I loved it because it Felt like it was a sensual thing. it was like warmness on me and like he was so into it and it was making him so happy and I it was um, it was a great bonding moment. and then afterwards like he took me into the shower and like lovingly like, you know, washed it off before we continued to play. And that was a nice break in the action because he was really hardcore and sadist. So then I got, you know, pummeled the rest of the time. So so that's an example of like, oh, okay. It's not my favorite kink. Uh, Never tried it, um, but I'm not averse to it. Got it. Yeah. And a hard limit for that was I said, it will not go in my mouth. Right. Got it. And he wanted to do that, but I'm like, nope, not doing it. So... Although we disagree to this day whether or not it actually went in my mouth. In his mind, it went in my mouth. Like, no, I know for a fact because I said no. It was just on my chest, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's an example of a, of a hard limit, soft limit. Uh, yeah, and I have a kind of a funny um, uh, waterworks story that I can tell you later after.
0: Okay, cool. We're going to circle back around to that. Yes. Um, so before we get into kinks, in terms of just BDSM, there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, it it can be really healing yes. for um, a variety of different things. But, um, you know, you can work things out in the body, you can release things in a safe space, you can work through trauma. Um, so I'm curious if you've had similar experience or if it if it has helped you in that
2: way. Yes, actually, Um I mean, it can be very cathartic. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, you know, there were times where I, as a submissive, I, you know, when we took it to a place that was pretty hardcore, like at one point, um, I was hogtied and face fucked until I was bawling and it wasn't personal. There was nothing I was thinking about, but it just was, it was like six months of therapy that just came out of me. And because my partner and I had played together for so long, I could, he knew that he could keep going because I had a safe signal on a safe sign. Um, so that's an example of like something, if you need to release an emotional release, sometimes we're taught not to cry, not to emote. Um, it can be that I know that, um, you know, there are therapists who send some of their patients to professional dominance, um, I'm familiar with, I've heard stories of one dominant that, you know, is a male and would, um, was sent people who had had some past sexual assault, uh, trauma, and it was a way for them to re sort of re-experience it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Reclaim it. Reclaim it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it, it changes in your psyche to where, okay, this was something where I was out of control, but I'm in here again and I'm out of control, but I'm actually in control.
0: Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. I've had very limited experience, but a couple of the sex parties I've been to, I've played in the space. Mm-hmm. And even the tiny bit that I've done, my brain gets super busy in this very interesting way. But one of the things I found was, there's a couple was the first time I had to not had to, I chose to ask for somebody to, um, flog me, um, was so vulnerable and empowering to like own uh, something that I wanted and risk that they would say no. Right. And then having somebody accept that they would do it was the next step of like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's exciting and empowering. And then the third step was when it was happening, A lot of the brain mumbo jumbo that was happening was like trying to please the other person where I was caught in this thing of like, I've asked for this. I'm in control of this experience. This person is not concerned about, like, how, like if I tell them to stop, that's okay, right? But my brain got busy and, like, people-pleasing and, like, showing other people that I could, I don't know, like, do whatever. And so it was interesting because I was like, oh, this is just a microcosm of my daily experience in the world of, like, this wrestling that I have. And I just can get to see it really, really clearly right now. Um that's like a little bit. And then the last sex party I went to, I got to switch. And the guy, oh. yeah, he asked me to flog him. And I was like, <laughs> I was so titillated. And it was so, I was like, oh, my God. um, But it was like one of the most exciting experiences because I was like, oh, whoa. Somebody gave me their permission to like do this in a way where both of us get to enjoy it and I was like holy shit this is like new level but it's cool because it opens up like it unlocks parts of your brain that I feel like we just let sit there you know and like sort of fester or like we demonize or create stigma around it because we don't want to talk about it
2: yeah, for sure. That's such a beautiful experience. Like to see your whole yeah. body like lit up. Yeah. Oh, I can, like a kid in a candy store. Like yeah, exactly. I get to do this. And like you start exercising that muscle. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of like, we talked about masculine feminists sort of like stepping into that submissive feminine space is like was really hard to do at first. And it still is hard for me, <clears throat> excuse me, at the beginning of a BDSM relationship or dynamic because I'm like, you know, I have to trust this person and it's a metaphor for life Mm -hmm. in a way Um, because the feminine energy is more like water it's going with the flow Mm -hmm. and when that's how I talk about subspace or when you're a submissive and you 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 let go of the oars and it's like you're trusting the universe okay (laughs) I mean not that you know but let's say it's a man or a woman doesn't matter Um, that logos is in control and you let go, but you've given permission for everything to happen. And it's a really empowering place right? because you're, I think we're not, we're taught not to do that. We're taught not to step into that real submissive place. It's not socially accepted much anymore, yeah. you know, and for, I mean, it's hard to go there because we get trampled on, yeah. you know, as women, you know, if you're submissive, you it's taken advantage of, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But that's why I like the idea of play. Like, sex is the area where adults can play. It's the, our last, you know, passion. Like, we can play. Yeah. And, like, role play and all that stuff comes into play. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about
0: uh, is there's no linearity when it comes to... Let me ask a question. I'm <laughs> making a statement. <laughs> no, is there linearity when it comes to the play that you've experienced or even in BDSM? Because I think of one of the big things that has come up on this podcast is that especially for me I've used to think of sex and it still am sort of in that framework of like it's linear and it in a hetero sort of um, interaction it begins and then the end is the male having an ejaculation and that that's that's where we're going we're going from point A to point B and that's it and so I feel like BDSM encourage and encourages a non linearity of like exploring the space with within and whatever the end result is. It's not this um, coming or you know like sort of uh, orgasm.
2: Right, that's a good point. And you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Is because I did so much BDSM, I got to a place where. Orgasm was never the goal for my play, Mm. my sex, you know, and it was, it's a very freeing thing. And you're right. It's not a linear, necessarily a linear, um, space. There's whole, that's the whole thing of kinks and different things. You know, before you do a scene, you talk about all the different things you might want to try or do. And then the dominant or whoever's leading the scene, files those away and it's almost like improv and then like you might hit those Mm. things it's you know it's like jazz or like you might hit those things (laughs) what other metaphors can I (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm a self-help junkie so a lot of times I relate like video some stuff to like self-help it's kind of dorky but anyway but yeah it's sort of like you um that's a good way to put it non-linear yeah
0: uh, let's talk about kinks. Kinks. Let's get kinky. Okay. Um, okay. I wrote a bunch down. So one that piqued my interest a lot is breeding. Cause I have never heard of that. Or breeder. Breed. You know, Breedy. Breeding. Breeding. Breed.
2: <laughs> Breed. Um, breeding. Yeah. I think there's, uh, my boyfriend was saying that there's a show called breeders. He keeps seeing a sign for it. I got to figure out what this is. I'm, I'm hoping it is what I'm ta- about to talk about, but breeders are, People who get turned on by the idea of procreating. That's mm. a short way of putting it. So, sure. like, uh, you know, I'm, you know, see people on FET, uh, FET Life, and they'll be like, I wanna, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna say this in the most bro way, but I wanna shoot my seed inside you. And it's a way of like, um, just extension of a kink where, you know, either the receptor or the person ejaculating, um, just get off on the idea of impregnating Mm. or being impregnated.
0: Is there, is there communication then around, uh, then like what that would look like next steps and do people actually get pregnant
2: both so Mm -hmm. I you know I try to participate because I can tell when a kink pulls me from the inside so I could say oh okay this is like pulling me but you know the people I started talking to about it we'd have to we don't we didn't want to get pregnant together we're just casual partners but there are people out there even casual who they do they get impregnated just for that I mean there's people who are into kinks I'm not sure what it's called but like the breastfeeding kinks so like Mm. they'll you know feed off of breast milk (laughs) okay this is going different yeah um but yeah so it's just so sometimes yeah people do they'll they'll go all the way with it and Mm -hmm. get pregnant Mm -hmm. Uh, but
0: and so then if even if you don't do that was part when you are participating Mm -hmm. or, or when you've done it is is it around the idea of the actual
2: act or also what happens afterwards um I don't I've never seen a focus too much on afterwards. Okay. I mean, except for like how beautiful a woman's body is when she's pregnant and like all that stuff. But, um, or like men who like to breed several women, like it's like their thing, they want to spread mm. offspring. Um, but usually it's like the lead up, like when I participated in it, it was just like <laughs> the, the the guy was sending me pictures when he was in the. Grocery store of like prenatal stuff, and like you wanted to buy me all this like prenatal stuff, and like ovulation predictor kits, and and all that kind of stuff. So it's like preparing for, but we both knew because we we would say like, okay, how are we gonna do this? Because we're not gonna have a you know, so it's a lot of that's pretend unless you really do want to go all the way. Got it. With it,
0: that's one I don't
2: know personally as well because I couldn't go all the way with it at the time. Got it. Um, Okay,
0: cut cuckolding
2: cuckolding <laughs> She's, no, know, so cute when stuff. you say cuckolding <laughs> <laughs> um yes cuckolding i think this is like um i think it's one of the top kinks i mean i i think it kind of permeates a lot of <clears throat> excuse me society um now uh, days too um but cuckoldry is essentially when you get turned on um by getting cheated on for example so um, if we talk about a heteronormative scenario, let's just keep it simple with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the male cuckold um, gets off on the jealousy um, and the angst of watching his wife have sex with someone else. Um, usually so. And the someone else is usually called a bull. Mm. I don't know if you've heard that. So the bull. So like I dated a guy who was loved being a bull and was asked to be a bull to several couples. So he'd go. Like, sometimes it's coordinated by the male. But he'd come over and fuck the wife in front of the husband, and it was sometimes it's a way um, they might be into the humiliation of it, Um, and a lot. Sometimes they the husband will want like a bigger, stronger man to to you know. There's something in that too. So and then the woman, it's like I think there's a power element to that too, and it also makes for me personally, it's it's a way to celebrate your femininity and like that feminine strength, um, at, yeah. Have really. you
0: participated in the scenario then? Like, were you, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah, in a more casual way, in a, in a lesser, um, I wasn't married or mm. it wasn't like a full-blown, it was kind of a boyfriend. Commitment. Yeah, commitment, but, um, yeah. Uh
0: Does it ever... For the heteronormative sort of idea, does it switch or is it primarily, is this term only related to like the male watching the female has sex with somebody else?
2: That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that question because it can go both ways. And I actually now I'm realizing, because now I'm in a relationship with a a man um, and it's committed and we haven't opened it up yet. Um, I fantasize about him fucking women like i'll see a woman down walking down the street and i just (laughs) um i think it's because he's so sexy and he is um he's like a ryan gosling and i don't know how (laughs) how i pulled this one but well actually i manifested him because i wrote a partnership list before anyway um it was kind of cool but um yeah so it can run that way too Mm -hmm. you can be a cuck the cuck can be the the female Mm -hmm. uh
0: the cuck is called the person who gets cheated on let's
2: call it okay air quotes cheated on and does this Um, it
0: takes place all within i guess there's different scenarios but like as far as you've done or are aware of or you're interested is it all in the same room and so it's not It you it's like seeing it happen
2: sometimes sometimes it could be um a, a man who really loves knowing that his wife goes out and has sex and like he'll learn of it um, she'll come home and tell him about it. Got it. Uh, I mean, a big thing, like, if you want to throw in like an even kinkier part, like a <laughs> like a top top thing to do when you're cuckolding is <laughs> 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 the top five activities to do. Um, is you know the guy comes in the wife and then the husband cleans up with you know cleans her up down there, oh, like licks okay. her, you know, eats her out, and yeah oh you guys are full staring at me like
0: i just had it took me a moment no, to get sorry. like a i was like it goes
2: down on her and like has to he has to lick up the come and you know the aftermath of another man oh. inside his woman so yeah i had a partner who wanted to do that he actually before we broke up he wanted he's like i'm gonna take you shopping and i'm like okay yeah. and <laughs> like, let's try, that's a kink, that's a new one, Um, and he goes, I know exactly what men like, and I'm going to get you all like dolled up, and like, you know, nails done, everything, and you're going to go on a date with a guy, and then you're going to bring him home, and have sex with them, and then like, I'm going to lick you up afterwards, and yeah, Mm -hmm." yeah, and this is a very alpha man, not very, um, you know, successful man, who has a lot of things, and a lot of success in life, but I think this drew him, in a masochistic sense. So I have partners who like to play with me with another man. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have one in particular who's mostly submissive, but he's a switch as well, who is a friend of mine and he's the one who got me Mm Fet And he had been, trying to suck cock for a long time yeah and he was like he wanted me to dom him to do it so it takes that per- that sort of gives permission got it and Yeah. He's you know he lives his life as a straight male I'd consider him a hetero um but he really wanted to do that It's something he wanted to do yeah. and um so I yeah I've I I enjoy that I enjoy watching two men enjoy each other mm-hmm. it's like a ball of masculinity right in front of me, I mean, it's like just like zoots everywhere. I love it, it's awesome. Um, okay, so okay. uh,
0: pegging parties,
2: pegging parties. Oh, what was hot wifing? Oh, yeah, okay, cuckoldry. so yeah, you talked about different scenarios. You're like, do they watch it? Yeah, so I love hot wifing, so it's um, sometimes it's grouped with cuckoldry, but I kind of feel like it's separate in the sense of um, a woman who goes out and I mean, she really, she, okay, she's a slut. I mean, she just wants to fuck every, you know. Um, and the man really takes pride in his wife um, doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's not the humiliation part. It's more like, and sometimes the man can be more controlling about it, and sometimes the hot wife can, you know. I had a friend who started to get into this, and I was, like, so excited because um, she sort of flourished in the, uh, the male attention. Mm-hmm. Inside a committed relationship, she got male attention, and it fostered their um, sex lives so yeah, it's like that's a fun one yeah yeah um
0: consensual non-consent
2: yes cnc yes um so uh and again this is a sensitive topic and we're going to talk about it it's rape play mm. so it's play rape um there are studies that show that uh a lot of um, female embodied people have uh, rape fantasies. Uh, we don't talk about it much. The word rape is a really hard um, word to use, but a consensual non-consent means that you set up a rape scenario completely because you want it. It mm-hmm. is not just consensual. You wanted that. So, um, for example, I don't do, don't try this at home. <laughs> um I set up, I'd been texting with a guy off of Fet for a couple of, I think it was over a year and we just never got together. And one of our kinks that we wanted to try was CNC, Mm -hmm. consensual, non consent, but you know, he was never in town. It just never happened. And finally we're like, okay, we're going to set it up. And it took a tremendous amount of time to set it up. But essentially I, he came over in the middle of the night and broke into my apartment and forced himself on me. And it was amazing it was awesome it was the most like erotic thing ever side note if you're going to choose someone to be your rapist don't choose someone that's like hotter than 007 and has a british accent (laughs) i didn't know he had a british accent before he came over and like so part of the time i was like i i mean i was fighting him off and like trying him off and then he'd like talk to me and I'd just like melt and be like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) like I mean he was like six three and like ripped and I'm like your pictures did not do you justice I don't know what is anyway but um yeah we had a lot we set up a lot of um safety hatches for that I mean ahead of time he I had him communicate with my friend and give his full name and like um that she had to be checked in with and all that sort of thing. You shouldn't do that with someone you've never met. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just got lucky and I had enough. We had, if we hadn't texted for like over a year um, and he's in the industry. And so I, I wouldn't have done it, but we got to a level of trust that. Yeah. But yeah. Got it. I didn't know that that was where we were
0: going with that. I'm not going to oh, lie. Sorry. No, I I love it. I like I don't know why my head was like where did consensual not consent. It's going to be man. my brain is like
2: Disney. Sure, yeah, consensual not consent. <laughs> it was like Disney. Yeah, no. But I mean it is just play. It is just play. Right. And, right, right, right. Yeah. And um you know Do you
0: use those terms? Cuz yeah, I mean the word Rape, right, and rapist, yeah. like hits so core level, yeah. So did did you use those terms? Like, uh, were those a part of it? Because consensual non consent sounds
2: uh, septic, nicer, antiseptic. Yeah, it yeah,
0: sounds... it does. It sounds like digestible. Yes,
2: right. Yeah, I mean, I tried to use consensual non consent. It's a l- it's big a lot. mouthful. Yeah, but yeah. like I will tell you, and it's nothing to. D- it's so serious that when you joke about it, it's funny. So like, I'd be like, my rapist is texting me back or, you know, you know, stuff like that. But I wouldn't usually use the term rape in, in that context. But on FetLife, people use the word rape, um, rape play or whatever. Um, I just like to stay away from that as much as I can. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's because I think like, I think the thing that comes up a lot, or at least sort of for me, is like for some reason, if you own the word or you play in that space, it diminishes other people's real experiences in that world. And I don't, that doesn't have to be true, right? Like one person or however it manifests for you or for whoever's playing in the space, it doesn't have to impact the magnitude of the actual act that's, like, a heinous crime, yes. right? Um, and I think that that's where we have, like, such, like, innate, like, huh, that we can't have that conversation around it of, like, this is objectively horrifying. Mm-hmm. And also, this can be okay if two consenting adults are very clear and have a road map for what it looks like mm-hmm. and both get joy and pleasure out of it. Right.
2: I mean, and I know that sexual assault victims have done rape play and Mm -hmm. it's cathartic for them. Again, same kind of idea um, because it gives them a sense of power over that scenario and they can, they can act it out in a way that's like actually empowering to them and validating for them. You know, I workshopped, uh, I mean, I, I started teaching uh, workshops to women like BDSM and femininity. And I would tell this story and I was concerned about my um, audience having you know traumatic history and like how they would and I asked them afterwards uh how they felt about my cnc story and they would always say you know I I thought it was funny
1: mm-hmm. I I
2: knew what you were talking about yeah because every step of the way was ridiculously consented <laughs> like right every and mapped out yep Yep.
0: um so I just want to segue then into uh because this year, I think consent is going to be like a huge mm-hmm. component of what I want to talk about. Um, That's important. Yeah, it's really important. And I think in the media, it's really coming up in a very, very big way. The subtleties of what it looks like and um, rape culture in general um, in and the pervasive environments of unsafety. And so I know that you had an experience as a Dom that sort of um, that crossed the line, and I'd love to just touch mm-hmm. on it because I think it's, yeah, because I think it's an interesting perspective to, uh, especially for a woman to narrate, of being in the position of control and not power, as we said, but um, have that sort of flip.
2: Yes. Um, well, I'd like to preface the conversation about consent with, you know, when you get into BDSM, um, and BDSM done right, there is a lot of communication yeah. way prior to, by the time I play with someone, I know practically everything they've ever done, mm-hmm. everything they ever liked, everything they didn't like. Um, so I think what's great about this community is that we're more conscious and we are generally speaking less sloppy about consent mm-hmm. meaning like w- in the regular sex world what are you call vanilla, I don't like to to throw that word around too much. I don't like vanilla shaming first of all. <laughs> I don't I don't. Um, there tends to be a really obtuse people go into it with like obtuse expectations and like no communication and they don't want to ruin the mystery or whatever. Uh, which I get, but that's a fallacy. Right. There's really a ton of mystery, um, but you, you know, set those boundaries ahead of time. So in that sense, um, yeah. So I had something happen to me that it didn't happen in the session necessarily, but afterwards I found out from one of my submissives, who's a male, who I cared about a lot, um, and we had played. We were experienced. We had, he was my longest-running playmate. Um I led a pegging party on him, uh, and my, we hadn't, I hadn't dommed him in a long time. So he had dommed me mostly, and then we stopped playing for a while, we were friends. And so this is where it gets muddled, and that's why I preface this with this, you know, sloppiness that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say people are sloppy, but it just tends to be sloppier in the consent area in regular sex world than BDSM or kink. Um, I, didn't do what I normally do as a dom. I didn't have the whole, cause he was not having it with me. He just wasn't going there. Um, and I usually am called mommy. Like I don't let anybody call me mistress. It's just not my persona as a dom, mm-hmm. but like right before we're going to play, he's like, he, you know, he's a, he's a switch. So he's a controlling bottom sometimes. And it's annoying. <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is all set up for him and he has, has to control it. And I didn't I didn't stop and go, wait, let me use my tools here. And like, do I want to be like, no, I'm going to be called mommy or we're not doing it. I didn't do that. I was like, oh, okay. I guess this one time I'll let you call me mistress. And, you know, and then he's like, he gave me some boundaries that I don't remember exactly what he said. Mm. So I slipped into doing what I normally did when I domed him in the pegging party. And it was a dynamic I'd never been in before I'd never led really a pegging party and I hadn't played with him in a while and so this is where the sloppy gray area got in and we're both experienced he knew how to use a safe word and so I found out later that he didn't want me anywhere near him he didn't want me touching him in a sexual way. all he wanted me to do was tell the women what to do to him there were four other women and so a pegging, let me just preface this, a pegging party, <laughs> I haven't talked about this in a while, but um, it's going in the book, but um, a pegging party is essentially a bunch of women gangbanging, a, a man or a woman, I guess it could be either, um, or non-binary, but essentially <clears throat> pegging means you're using um, a dildo or strap-on to enter mm-hmm. um, someone, in this case someone's ass, And uh, it was fun. We tied him up. I thought everything was going fine. Uh, There was something inside me that just didn't feel right. And I did some things with him that was just normal part of the group. Um, And um, I left and everything seemed fine. And a couple of months later, I was like talking to him just at brunch. And he said, you know, I was talking to my therapist and you crossed a boundary. You crossed boundaries with me in that pegging party. And and this is the part, this was hard, this next part. Mm. And he said, I felt as if I was being raped and as if a, quote, dirty uncle was molesting me. Well. Yeah, so there's a whole backstory to our relationship that I won't get into, it's too long. But the point is, I felt so much shame. I started bawling. I had to, I saw three different therapists that week. I was crushed because this is someone I loved and cared about. And they were basically telling me that I violated them. And every person in my life that I turned to, even BDSM, like women in BDSM, they all said the same thing. They discounted his experience. Mm. Didn't, and I said, we're supposed to believe victims. And you know what? I had so the only thing that calmed me down was that I went back to my tr- my own training and I wrote, sat down and I wrote what I could have done better in the scenario and I learned from it and that made me feel better. And he he got he seemed to get over it really fast. Like I think he was using some words that maybe didn't I don't think he felt as intensely the words that he was saying, but I took them very literally. Yeah. <laughs> and it was hard as a woman to hear that I basically was not only Um, not a woman, um, but I was a pedophile, you know, that's how I felt. And I, it was hard. (laughs) It was very hard. And so it shut me down for a while and it's been a long story since then. But I guess my point, this is a long story to say that I felt, um, shame. I felt defensiveness. I didn't want to believe that I hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment I realized, wow, this is what male or female, but typically men might that's why they get defensive. Like they don't want to admit that they hurt someone. Like right. th- the good ones. Like I'm a good one. I mean, I was doing the same thing that Kavanaugh was doing. It was around the same time as the Kavanaugh hearings, and he was like, I'm, I was like, I'm, I was valedictorian. You know, like mm. uh, I'm a good person. I, right. Like you know, pulling evidence like, yeah, like, from oh, other I was aspects, at charities, and like I went to law school. You know, whatever. But it was more like I, I didn't mean to hurt anybody, and all that stuff. And I had to just put that away and go, nope. Okay, I own that and um yeah yeah so the the interesting thing is that he never really explored why he didn't use the safe word Mm -hmm. when he knows full well and when he explained it to me he said it was because he didn't I think he didn't want to be embarrassed in front of the other women yeah so one of the things I could have done better when again I hadn't done a group scenario I should have had a conversation about a safe signal that was only known to he and I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's some of the things I always tell my clients is uh, don't just have a safe si- um, word, have a safe signal. So usually red is a good safe word I, I find. Um, but also like if you have stuff happening in your mouth, like a ball gag or the penis or something or a dildo in your mouth, um, you want to have something that you can use. Like a I use a tap, like a quick tap. Yeah. So, like, I I could have done that better. So, in that sense, yeah, it was mortifying, and it was, it's been a long journey to come out of that one. But
0: well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's a really useful perspective, though, and I think it really plays on the nuance of of like really what it takes to get full consent every step of the way, yeah. and that those tiny little moments where you're like, oh, okay, I'll let it, here, this is fine, like, whatever, in your head, Mm -hmm. without communicating, without being clear, um, and, like, having consent with yourself, too, of, like, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, um, like, it's just, it's more sticky than we talk about. And I think it just goes also to show that, like, the, the overwhelming fuck yeah in every scenario is so much more gratifying for everybody involved of just like participating and having like the best time because you know that each person is like,
2: I'm here and I'm so here. Right. And I want to be here. Yeah. And consent and like, um, a communication of like pleasure or whatever it's contextual and it's Mm -hmm. socially ingrained too and you have to look at any power dynamics like socioeconomic i mean there's uh gender socioeconomic you know height differential Mm -hmm. weight differential you know someone who's more experienced with someone who's not so the person who's who's doing the action uh, really needs to be mindful of that and um you know, there's responsibility on both sides, but the person who's doing the activity, the top or the dom who's acting upon the sub submissive, um, bears the majority of the responsibility to check in with that person and to be aware. That's why like, I don't ever like, um, drink or do drugs. Like when I play, um, I just don't think there's a, you know like having a cocktail before you start to loosen up that's one thing but like you've got to have your wits about you you are the leader of this mm-hmm. and um you're responsible for another human being and and you know on the subside you know your responsibility is to yourself mm-hmm. and to check in and go okay is this okay and like sometimes you can let things go past okay and just go okay okay and go okay this is feeling weird this is feeling weird and then, because I've done that before, um, you know, I, right after the Dirty, we call it the Dirty Uncle episode, um, <laughs> is, uh, um, I got out of a, um, I just ended up bumping into a new submissive that I'd been talking to forever, and he's a switch too, and he started um, fucking me really hard, and I could tell there was something inside me, this little inner toddler that was like, No. No, no, but I was letting it happen. And that tension I could tell is building. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this tension for now, but at some point I'm not. And I use the safe word and I did it over and over again. And it used to be for me, you know, in a session, i like to, if I'm with a partner that I am used to, I like to, I like to go see how far I can go before using the safe word as a, just a, I look at it like an art or a sport, yeah. but If that tension, if you can feel in your tension and there's, it's too much, you just, you have to put a stop to it Mm -hmm. and then, and then reassess and then you can go back into it and try it again if you want, but, um, it's a sensitive area and there's a lot of responsibility and, you know, um, consent, you're right. Consent is a big deal right now and there's a lot of verbiage thrown around with it, but I think it's important, um, that we believe people who we need to be able to say, hey, you did this to me and, you know, I didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't like that. And then the person has to be in this space to hear it. Yeah. And it's hard. But, you know, what we're asking the men in society to do is to just shut your yap for like, sorry, well, you can <laughs> open your yap. But shut your yap for just a little bit. Right. And just listen for a minute. Yeah. Just listen. Yeah you know, just taking it, it as hard. It was hard for me to hear, but I took it in and I'm like, that's compassion. Okay. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. And cool. then let go. But like letting go of the shame is the, the shame is the part that's making them act out incorrectly right? and right. to be defensive. Yeah. And we can't have that anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it Yeah. and I got to step up. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't talk on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> know.
1: Just, You're just, shutting I'm your yap. i too woke. <laughs> <No. know>.
0: um, <laughs> all chill. right. Well, okay. Emily, you are amazing. Thank You're you so for sweet. sharing yeah. all of these amazing things. This is such a fun <laughs> roller coaster. Yeah, I we feel really like we should end on like, a nice or um, or something. Fun. Uh, you're fun in general, yeah. but okay. Where can people find you? You have a BDSM yes. 101 class, yes. Um, it's so common. people can look that up. It's it's going to well, happen multiple times. Yeah. Right? So the
2: it's an online course. Uh, and okay. So we have uh, so our website is bdsmcoaches the BDSM And then you can actually, what I would suggest people to do is to get our email list by getting our free kink list that they can fill out, you know, talking about consent to go through things that they might want to try or have hard limits on. Um, And you can find that on our free gift on our website and get our email list because our BDSM 101 class is going to come out online on January 20th. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Very
0: cool. Um, and then can people find you on Instagram or yeah, social we're media?
2: the uh, we're Dom sub coaches on Instagram. For some reason they wouldn't allow the BDSM part um in the title, but uh yeah, Dom sub coaches on Instagram. Yay! And yeah, and we do coaching um on the site, so you can find me on the site. Awesome! Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This was amazing.
0: Yay! Woohoo! Yay. Yay. Thank you, Emily. Uh, I think we do want to touch a little bit on what we talked about at the end because um, we've had a lot of conversations just around uh, this consent idea. And I'm so grateful that Emily was willing to share her story and her side of it. And I think it's also a really different perspective than we've heard of a woman Mm -hmm. in the dom sort of uh, position and crossing a boundary um, and the male being the one that felt that the boundary was crossed um, which sort of is just I haven't heard that side of it before and um, I think it it brought up a lot of questions of like in this space we're really interested in creating a judgment-free accepting zone and also as an interviewer working on the skill of like getting clarification from people and and really pushing some questions about like owning, you know, their story or a particular side or something like that and getting to like the, the root of the issue. And especially when it comes to consent issues, like in the media, like we've seen like owning that part of I did this, and this is how it affected this person. or this is how they told me that they were affected. Um, and so yeah, I think it, it's just drawing on this larger conversation of like, what do these conversations look like and and how do we address them? And it's new. It's new for
1: us. And it's tough. It's a balance, right? Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, like you said, we try to make it very judgment free here. Like anyone that has a kink that wants to come on and talk about something they're enthusiastically I into, me. we love. Yes. Um, Anyone that doesn't have those and wants to come on and <laughs> yeah. enthusiastically talk about them. Tell me. Also great. <laughs> but then there are some times where it's like, am I doing my guests a disservice by not giving them the pushback that then they can clarify themselves on. So yeah, it's, it's been a journey for us too. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: But yeah, so I, I hope that this has opened some interesting conversation. If you're listening, Um, we're always open to feedback as well. And um, like we said in the beginning, this is going to be a constant theme. So we will keep coming up against what this looks like, what consent looks like, what boundary pushing and violations look like um, and how to own them on both sides. Mm So, with that, (laughs) please email us uh, at our email, which is...
1: FindingMyYum at gmail.com.
0: And uh, follow us on social media at podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, still to come. And um, follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars.
1: Leave reviews. We're on any... Well, we're on Google Play, too, if you want to... If you listen to it. And
0: Podbean. Mm -hmm. Uh, Please share with a friend. The more people that listen, the more that... We get to spread this message and have conversations, and we like it a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks.
0: Um, happy 2020. We'll see you next week.